0: Uh, again this is this is going to be like a condensed version of what you guys heard yesterday Uh, obviously I went into more depth yesterday but I'm still going to hit some of the key points the main focus of today um, for this lecture the re-recording was I spoke a little bit about trust and betrayal but the main focus was some of the guidelines that I've created through my experience and what I've learned when it comes to relationships which is applicable to business friendships intimate relationships so on and so forth okay So the first point was the guidelines between you and another individual or a group of individuals in regards to a relationship is 100% between you and that other person or persons, meaning if you two or three or four, whatever the number is, agree upon a guideline for the relationship and what it encompasses and what it's going to be about, what each person does, et cetera, et cetera, no one from the outside can point at you or someone else and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Why? Because you've both agreed upon it. And that's senior to what anybody else on the outside says. So, when it comes to some of your guys' uh, standards for your business, the relationships you have with friends and business partners, and in your intimate relationships, this is kind of like the foundation that shatters any kind of attack from the outside. Because the example I gave yesterday on the live lecture was, uh, for example, uh, we'll look at something extreme like an intimate relationships. the people that do the the BDSM stuff, you know, they tie each other up and whip each other and shit, right? I can't tell them they're doing something wrong, even if I personally, which I don't, but let's say I personally had an issue with that and I wouldn't do that in my relationship. Well, both of them have agreed to be in a relationship like that, they're both happy and they're both consenting adults, how can I tell them that they're doing something wrong, right? This is why whenever there's issues in relationships and somebody complains, let's say it's the girl complaining or the guy complaining you can't really feel sorry for them because they're staying in that relationship. So their actions are saying, I agree with this relationship. I might bitch and complain about it, but my actions still demonstrate I'm staying. I'm staying with this person. I'm staying with this business partner. I've seen that happen in business partnerships too, where someone's like, man, I've been working with this guy for 10 years and he's been fucking me over all the time. And I'm like, dude, why are you still partners with him? You cry about it, but you don't change anything. So obviously Internally, you still agree with whatever you guys got going. So therefore, you have to take responsibility. You can't complain. Change it. Leave, get a new partner, or do something. Stop complaining. So this is the underlying tone that allows you to run relationships how you want without having to worry about explaining yourself or defending it because, hey, I know from a, a establishing standpoint of the relationship, me and this person agree to these terms. That's all that matters, okay? Number two, it was... Communicate often and continuously. And anytime there's an issue, you handle it immediately. Okay? This is one of the big ones because I circled handling issues immediately. This is of monumental importance, especially in your personal relationships with people. We see this destroy relationships all the time. Something comes up and then it's swept under the rug and it's not handled. Another business uh, synonym I can create with this situation is like for the realtors, when some shit pops up or you get bad news or something happens where you have to call your buyer or seller? How many times do we want to delay that or not call them? And we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait. It gets worse. Now it's uncomfortable as fuck to handle it in the moment, but we know that's the right thing to do. And when we do, we handle it. There's the emotions or whatever, but then it's done and you're clean. Now you move forward from that situation without dragging that emotion and that dread. Now, imagine you have a situation like that. Most people have two, three, four, five like that. Imagine how it's going to fuck with you internally if you carry that. So one of the rules is you communicate often and continuously and you handle stuff when it comes up, no matter how uncomfortable it is. That's the sign that it has to be handled because that level of discomfort will continuously rise when you try to sweep it under the rug. Okay. Number three is with your relationships, whether it's online, like social media in public or physically in public, you're always sharp. Whenever there's a disagreement, you don't blow up and yell at each other and disrespect each other on social media or in public. Because all it does is invite hate from the outside, it invites attacks from the outside, and it compromises the relationship. Because now you're introducing the element of somebody else coming in to try to interfere. Right, the the example I gave yesterday was, we see uh, two people out, maybe like a guy and a girl, and we see the guy and the girl fighting. Now if the girl's fine, We're like, oh shit, she might be available. That's kind of what we're thinking, right? Because they're fighting. Especially if you might know that person, you know the guy or the girl, you're already kind of scheming as a man, true or true. So um, again, you're inviting the element of outside intrusion or war within your relationship. Okay. Now the last piece that I added with this, that's a good frame to add to this, especially when it comes to intimate relationships, man and a woman, for example, or doesn't matter, I gave the king and the queen example. Can you imagine a king being out with a the queen, they get into a little argument and then in public the queen's like fuck you asshole? Like that's that's not going to happen, right? That's royalty. They act and they carry themselves a certain way. So we see a wave now of people, especially on social media, dudes saying, "Oh, I'm a king," women saying, "Oh, I'm a fucking queen, I deserve this," but they don't act in that manner. Therefore, for you to acquire that title, you have to act in that manner and be you have to assume and adopt the beingness of that, okay? So obviously in public, you're gonna be sharp. That was number three. Number four is thinking in terms and planning and strategizing and doing everything in terms of we. Because when you bring somebody in and you have a relationship, now the, 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 we can say the movie reel moving forward is both of you or all three of you, whatever. And everything, every decision, every action must be made and determined based on that. And we naturally do that more as men. I brought up the fact yesterday that women typically think more about their own survival first in most cases over both, because that's just the way they're designed,
1: okay? Case in point,
0: here's an easy example of that. Have y'all ever taken a picture with just you and a girl or maybe a girl and 50 guys? You take the picture and then you show the chick. What is her first comment always? It's about her, is it not? Again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just saying what it is, okay? I bring this up all the time. See, Angela laughed. That means it's true. So it's in their nature to look out for themselves first. Now, all of that shit goes to your DNA, you know, if they have a baby and all that. So I get it. I'm not saying, again, it's wrong or right. But typically, they're going to think more me. So us as the men, especially in an intimate relationship, you need to take control and take the lead and always Anything you teach, anything you uh, bring up, any goals you're setting is in terms of we. And that needs to be communicated clearly through your actions and through everything else. Okay. It's about both of us. This is a relationship. Okay. That was number four. Uh, Number five was if you want to make points or teach or say, hey, my way of doing it is better than yours. You do it by demonstrating. You do it by showing that your belief or philosophy in your life and the way you live does a better job. At surviving and at also making this relationship stronger. Okay. So the point that I gave earlier about fighting in public, right? If you guys remember, Brandon gave an example in the group yesterday or two days ago about his girlfriend sometimes getting loud and talking shit to him in public, and it embarrasses him, right? So if he's gonna teach her this, he needs to say, okay, let's try it for a week. When we have a disagreement in public, don't don't get crazy, right? Relax, let's talk. Or we make an agreement that we wait until we're privately with each other and then we discuss it, okay? And then they can compare how they feel when she blows up, how they both feel, versus when they handle it the new way, how they feel. Then let let the results of that determine which way they go. Now, anybody who does those two scenarios is gonna find 100% of people, unless they're mentally ill, are gonna say, hey, when we don't blow up at each other and we handle it like civilized people, It's better, okay? Now, one of the points it violates is what I told you earlier about blowing up in public, but
2: emotionally,
0: it causes friction, too, when you attack each other. Because what happens? You get emotionally riled up, you talk shit to each other, and then 30 minutes later, you apologize, right? But that's a vicious cycle. You don't want to do that. You want to condition that when a disagreement arises, you handle it properly. This This is the same thing for business. How many of us sometimes get in fights or tugging matches with clients instead of handling it fucking civilly? You know, they might get a little emotionally bent or crazy and you jump right in and you fucking go wild too. Or you feed it just a little bit and it gets worse. And no matter how crazy they are, you need to be calm. You need to always, again, like the previous point, you need to be a demonstration of your philosophy. That's why I get calls sometimes. Oh my God! Can you believe it? The appraisal came in $500 below. What the fuck? Da, 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 da. And I'm just like, we're good, man. Like I'm kind of smiling. It's almost like I'm high. I'm like, we're good, dude. Don't worry about it. But yeah, eventually, when they're up here with the ah, and you're here and you're mellow, they're gonna come down. They're gonna come down, All right? And that again, I even say that to clients. Hey, look. Take a breath, breathe, okay? The appraisal came in, we're gonna handle it, you're fine. You have nothing to worry about. I had to do this, by the way, over the weekend because two days in a row, we had some pretty big earthquakes here in SoCal. I mean, the second one fucking shook my house for like a minute, right? All my shit was going, like, you guys remember, you were all here. Remember my fucking chandeliers? They were all going. So I had people hitting me up. Oh my God, is fucking escrow gonna cancel? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, we're good. I was like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. Don't even think about it. We'll talk on Monday. And by the time I talked to them on Monday, everything was cool. Their, their level nine or 10 emotional state went down to like five or six, and it was nothing. But imagine if you frantically, like, oh shit, I gotta call them to, you're not gonna get anywhere, right? So that was number five. Number six is always you to be clean with your communication lines and yourself. And in the relationship, you're always 100% honest. And ethical in your communication and dealings with them, meaning you don't hide shit and you call it like it is. And even though that may cause discomfort temporarily, right? We say this all the time for the realtors you tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. It's the same thing. Okay. I don't have to go out looking over my shoulder or hiding shit in personal relationships or business because I call shit like it is. We've been taught growing up that sometimes telling white lies is okay, it's bullshit. A lie is a lie. Someone asks you, hey, bro, am I fat? If they're fat,
1: yeah. You
0: got to lose some weight, homie. You're a little bit overweight. You get some extra some pounds hanging over your belt. Dude, you got to take care of it, right? Now, obviously, we don't want to be a dick and you know, in public make fun of them, but when the time is right, we communicate it properly. Hey, bro, yeah, you need to get it together. You're partying a little bit too hard, right? So you, you have to be that, that voice. Now, I think everybody needs to be that way, but we know the facts state the opposite. Okay, because then you start hearing stupid shit as as far as philosophies on how to do it. Like, oh, you know, if if you're with a chick and she's fat, don't ever tell her she's fat, right? Even if if she's overweight, just tell her she looks good. It's like, that's stupidest fucking shit I've ever heard. Why would I do that? Why would I lie like that? And then say that I'm an honest person. If you do that, you can't say you're an honest person. Then you have an internal conflict with yourself because you know you bullshit people. So what do you do in the moment when it's currently happening in public, okay? So if you're in the middle of teaching, Jose, it's a great question. Let's say it's your girl or even a business partner that want to blow up, right? You never add to it, okay? So let's say um, I'm with a girl and she starts fucking going crazy. I would say, you know what? Real quick, I'm going to step outside. So let's say there's a hallway in the restaurant or I'm going to go out front. I literally just go out front and I say, come with me. That's it. Come with me right now. And I walk up and I get out. And at that moment, if I walk away, I'm okay with her either following me or staying there. Either way, the situation is going to be diffused, okay? But you have to take control and do something. And that, you can say, is a little bit extreme, but if I'm being yelled at, and I know that's the wrong thing, I need to do something extreme too. So you know what? Come with me. I'm not even going to respond yet. Come outside. And in most cases, like 99% of the time, they're going to come outside. And by the time they get outside, level 10 is going to be level 8. And then you can handle it. And you can say, you know what? If you calm down right now, I'm going to tell you exactly why I told you to come outside. Right? And you can tell them. Do you realize what we were were about to do right now in front of everybody? What do you think that says about us? What do you think that says about you? We're supposedly blah, 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 successful, da, da, da. Who does this? When do we see these types of scenarios? We see them in movies and we laugh at them. Are, Are we that now? We're that fucking uncivilized. We're just going to talk shit to each other and we might as well get the food and start throwing it at each other. Like we're in fucking cafeteria again and we're having a food fight. You know what I mean? How about if it's family saying some BS about you? Well, um, in that case, because we can say that's not like a relationship, like a business partnership or like a girlfriend where you guys are building together. We can't control our families and they have their way of being. So at that point, like let's say family just me, which they have. I'll give you guys a few examples, right? One example was I started telling people, "Hey, um, I would appreciate it when I'm around if you don't speak that way, um, and it's fine if you continue doing that. I'm just going to remove myself. So, you know, we come here every year, every three months for a party. You know, if this is going to continue, I don't appreciate it. I'm just not going. I'm just going to stop coming, right? So you, you guys can do whatever you want, but I would ask you can keep saying whatever you want, but when I'm around, don't do it in front of me. Cool, right? That's one way of doing it, or. I remember one time after dealing with this constantly at a little family friend get together, I just blew up on somebody and I just went off on him. And then it stopped after that. But I went off on the dude for like 10 minutes. You know what I mean? I was like, bro, shut the fuck up. Like, I just I went off on him, which, which in the moment when I thought about it, I was like, okay, they've been warned. Again, my mistake for putting myself in this position, but this has to happen now. And I just went off. Like I went off right? Dude was talking, I was like, bro, you're a piece of shit. Like, how does it feel that a man half your age makes way more than you? I'm more of a man than you are. I just like completely destroyed the dude, right? But he had been talking too much shit. And now if I ever show up, which is rare, everybody shuts the fuck up. You know what I mean? The other day, my mother told me I should tell her when I sell a house instead of her finding out on Facebook, she said she needs to know first before anyone else. (laughs) See, but like with family, you can play with it and be like, You know, it's interesting you think that, mom, because a lot of people don't think that way. Why do you feel like I need to tell you first? And find out why. Maybe to her, you telling her means you love her or something. You know what I mean? Because then you can get to the root of it and you can kind of educate her on that, right? Or if you figure out she's wired a certain way and doesn't want to change, then every once in a while, if you want, you can feed into it. Maybe one out of three, you're like, hey, mom, I sold the house. And you tell her, you know, because then you know she's not going to change, per se but you know what feeds her as your mom if you have interest in that, right? Like for example, with uh, my mom, shooting her a text every once in a while, she loves that shit. Like to her, that's, oh, my son loves me. So even if I can't talk to her or we don't talk for a couple days, I'll shoot her a text, hey, what's up, mom, love you. Boom. takes me two seconds, but to her it means the world. So with the people like our family or the people that we can't change per se, even if we're the example, find out you know, if you have an interest in keeping that bond one or two things that they really appreciate and then you can feed that because that doesn't take much effort you know maybe for you guys it's going to your parents house once a week and having a a meal with them or something right and you can just do it because eventually eventually as you guys are ascending in success people stop pressing you as much the moment in everybody's mind like for the people close to you that you've reached that level where they look at you like oh shit this motherfucker is balling all the shit we're dealing with now that you guys are talking about goes out the fucking window. Believe me. It's happened. Nobody tells me shit now. And if I go to these family friend parties, if anybody even starts talking, everyone's like, hey, shut the fuck up. Like, they already do that for me. I don't have to say shit. And I just laugh. But it happened after the rumor spread that, okay, this motherfucker's killing it. Like, he's left us in the dust. Right? So, it doesn't happen. It gets to a point where everything flips, man. When you become, in everyone else's eyes, successful, you're like a rock star to them and and they can't tell you shit. You know, it's like even our family, they have certain celebrities that they talk about that they worship, you know what I mean? Like there's certain people they just love. Even if that person did a behavior that you do that they get on you about, they wouldn't say shit to the celebrity if they did it at the dinner table with you. They would just laugh and be like, oh, you're just like my son, (laughs) but you, They'll tell you to shut the fuck up or, hey, man, stop fucking chewing with your mouth open, whatever it is. They'll talk shit to you for it, but they'll kiss the celebrity's ass, and it's okay. You eventually become that to them, which I am to a lot of people now. Now, they may hate you for that. That's okay. But all the the inquisitive shit, all the, why are you doing this, or don't you feel like you should get a job, and all that bullshit they give you, that's going to go out the window, like 99% of it, and you won't have to deal with it anymore, which is great, because I kinda of figured that out. It took a couple years, but then finally that shit flipped and I stopped getting shit from people. So I would show up to places ready like almost to fight and then people aren't saying shit anymore. And I'm like, oh this is great. This is fucking fantastic. I can actually sit here in fucking peace. And I don't have to worry about putting my shield up every two seconds when people vomit their bullshit on me, you know? Uh she's got some uh, loose screws, man. I feel you, bro. I feel like literally fifty percent of my family has loose screws. So We just started really getting along. See, but you made progress, bro, which is good. Isn't that a trip that as you get better, that gets better, right? The possibility of you having relationships, closer relationships with people that you start being completely different from. But it's like your mom, your dad, or whatever, you get closer. Like I think now I'm so radically different from my parents and some other people in my family that I still have contact with, that we get along more you know, than I was before, like, like completely polar opposites now, but we actually get along because of some of the stuff that you learn, which is cool. You know, that in itself, you can almost see as like a superpower because the average person can't do that. The average family or group is sitting there in a room saying, I hate these motherfuckers, but they're my family. I have to deal with it. Right. And that's kind of sad. Uh, have you experienced family starting to resent you because of your ambition success? hundred percent, Mariano. Yes. Yes. A lot of my family hates me and they say I'm evil now because I make money. So yes, 80, 90% of my family in South America claims I like sold my soul to the devil and like, you know, that whole shit. They're like, oh, he's getting tattoos now. And you know, he's, he's fucked up in the head. Like people are saying that I'm being like demonized and I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm off, like I'm mentally insane now to them. I'm not. "Quote normal." I'm on drugs, or I'm worshiping Satan, or whatever the fuck it is that they say. I keep hearing different rumors, right? And and I laugh. But yes, I just I don't give a shit, money. I know that's the thing is that's out of my mind, right? I don't have to prove shit to them. I don't owe them shit. They don't owe me shit. I'm focused on me and doing what I'm doing, and that's it. Okay. So that pretty much summarizes what I went over for like an hour yesterday. So if you guys have questions, since you're on live, I'll take them. Um, If you don't, then, then we can end it. It's up to you As I'll stay here as long as you have questions or something you want to say or add. Pretty simple stuff. I might have given one or two more examples yesterday that I'm trying to remember in the moment, and it's not coming to me, but the gist of it, the good chunk of it, you got. right. And then the question that Brandon had, he was on live, and I answered it for him. So I know he got what he needed. I think somebody else asked a question. Let me see, I think he DM'd me on Instagram. <laughs> it was funny how I just sent you the 300, somebody just bought something for 500. So, wow. money comes easily and frequently, right? <laughs> uh, what was I doing? Um, I have four questions, sure, yes, I'll unmute you, bro. All
1: right, bro, you're good. Yo, yo, can you hear me good? Yep, loud and clear. Gotcha. So I'll try not to be too too long-winded. The first one is in reference to, I'm not sure which podcast episode it was, but you mentioned how uh, you don't critique people unless they ask for it, right? And Mm -hmm. one thing I've noticed, I've been applying this the last two days. When I hear something, like, like amongst my group of friends, whatever, if they make a statement or something, I've challenged myself to not say anything unless they asked me for it. Right. So, yeah. the other day they were like, "Oh my God, yo, I'm, I'm going to open a savings account. That's the best investment you can make." And I'm like, <laughs> "Like, no." It's, in my head, I'm like, "No, it's not." And I was like, "I was about to just be like, What are you even talking about?" But at that moment, I realized how you were saying, "If they don't ask for it, you're not going to give it." And it, it should be the way. It should be the same way and vice versa, right? So that's kind of a when, when do you know when to critique or challenge?
0: And Got your answer, bro. Got your answer. Now, the first one you gave is a great example. I have fun with that shit now. Like, I'll be like, well, oh, is it the best? Like, I'll throw like a challenging question because I know yeah. they'll want to defend it and then it'll open up the conversation, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, is it really the best? You know, and then if you want to do that, right? Now, yeah. flip side, the flip side, I can't be responsible for how they are. So if I know, for example, their level of, understanding when it comes to money is saving account is the best right. of course on the flip side on their we can say maturity and communication they're not going to understand that you don't just go around critiquing people like hey do this and do that right you get what i'm saying so yeah. i would almost expect them to just criticize me openly thinking that's the right thing to do because that's kind of where the level of thinking is at and the third thing i would say is "Greg, why are you still hanging out with these people man
1: no, I'm not. I wasn't around, though. It was in a group chat. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, and uh, my, my next question was, I know a lot of times we call out, you know, prospects and stuff like that. So if you got an angry prospect on the phone, right, I was thinking of another way to, like, bring that up. So if you were if you if you were angry and I would say, you know, how would your mood change if you could sell your house or something like that? So you're calling out their mood, their angry mood. Or is, is that, would you bring attention to that? Or how would, how would you wear that?
0: Well, a lot of times when we call, if they already answer upset, you need, you need to match that with your volume and your intensity. Are you doing yeah. that? Like actually, yeah. are you actually doing that hundred percent? Maybe not hundred percent. No. Okay. That's going to be the best thing to actually get them to listen. Then from there, I like going into that. Man, you sound, you sound upset. Now you're on the market six months, right? Fuck. I'd be, I'd be upset too. What happened? And I want them to talk. And a lot of times if they feel like you're at that level and you, you, you're you intense with them They'll want to vent because most agents when they call them. They're like I can sell your house It's okay, and they're like no no. no. I don't want to sell my house. So they 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 push against them You know what I mean? They're trying to drag them into a different conversation They don't want to have I want them to vent because the longer you keep them there venting and you say like what happened just an open-ended question any open-ended question they start talking They're gonna start dropping and now you can as they're saying this next line oh man the agent didn't communicate now you can lead and you can drop down a notch with your intensity and volume and yeah. then they're gonna match it and then you can slowly walk them down to a normal tone like this instead of being like this oh my god great why the fuck are you calling me right so try that try that step process of bringing them down slowly gotcha. I, them talk. Gotcha. I want them to vent if they're angry right. that's an indicator yeah. to me a lot of times They might be interested. Otherwise, why would they be so fucking pissed? Right, exactly. You know what I mean? And I also have a level of empathy, too, because if I got – I mean, shit, today, my fucking phone, I I had it off of Do Not Disturb. I must have gotten fucking, like, 20 calls in, like, an hour and a half. And I just picked up after the ninth one. I'm like, who the fuck is this? Like, you motherfuckers keep calling me all day, right? And none of them – none of them because it it was – it wasn't like, I was kind of doing it to be like, okay, let's see if anybody can match my tone. It wasn't just me having an outburst, but everyone immediately became like super soft and apologetic. And I was like, bro, that's the wrong thing to fucking say. So I hung up on them anyway. And I was like, man, the average person doesn't get this. I would come in intense. And it's like, they would do the opposite and be like,
3: oh, I'm, I'm
0: so sorry. Like they'd get all little. I'm like, dude, what is this? A fucking mouse talking to me? You know what I mean? So you got to be at their level. You know what I mean? And I think that's going to help you. And A lot of it, guys, if you're not recording your calls, please start doing it. If you have to jump on Zoom calls with each other and record it, do it. Because then you can, even if you don't listen to everybody else, listen to yourself. Because in the beginning, before I started recording my listing presentations, I thought I was a fucking man. I was like, nobody can tell me shit. Then I watched the recording. I was like, fuck, I sound like that? I sound fucking terrible. I thought I was at a 10. I'm like at a six. I was like, shit. So then it made me step back and say, okay, I don't know everything. And I started really focusing on my tonality and that kind of stuff. And that's when I started making leaps and bounds of improvements. Yeah. So many of you may be in the position now, like you, Jose, and Ronnie, where you're getting success now and sometimes you get comfortable and you're like, ah, I don't need to listen to the recordings anymore. I don't need, a pro- I don't need to fucking practice an hour and a half a day. I can just do 20 minutes and I'm good. That's when you start fucking shit up. Yeah. You get away from the basics. You think you know it all. And now your, your learning curve of, and acceleration of getting better goes from like this and it starts going like, like that. And you're getting better, but it's like
1: slow. You know what I mean? So reconnect with some of that stuff. And I think it's going to help you a lot, bro. Got you. Got you. Uh, all right. I got two more questions and I'll be done so everyone else can ask. The sure. third one was I know you mentioned in one of your close to deal videos, like you have like mid-call rituals. Like if you're like been calling for like an hour or two and you still you find that your mindset is starting to wane. You'll do a ritual. What, 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 what were those rituals you were, you were doing? Or? You
0: want to know the best one, bro? That's the, the simplest that any of you can do. I would literally uh, have like a five or 10 minute clip of like a comedian that I love. And I would just watch that. Even if it's like a Kevin Hart fucking clip that I've seen a million times, but I know it's going to make me laugh. I'll put some shit like that on just to break me from the pattern of monotony, seriousness, and I'll just laugh. And by the time that 10 or five minute clip is up, I'm in a different mood. My head is in a different space. Now when I get back on the calls, it's easier and I'm already kind of smiling and I'm in a different mood and it kind of resets me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm big on that. Like I love laughing and I laugh at the stupidest shit. Mm -hmm. So maybe for you guys, it's not that, but what would, what would reset your mind? Like when I laugh and I watch certain comedians or I get in that mode for a couple minutes, it completely takes me away from what I was doing before. And if I look at it again, I'm kind of like refreshed. It's like you refresh the computer. That's yeah. what it feels like for me.
1: Got you. And the last one was one that I posted in the in the group. The um, the different ways of asking, when you ask someone, what are you most looking forward to about and then their motivation? Saying that from an auditory and a kinesthetic point of view. So what are you most looking so, forward uh, to about? For example,
0: like uh, auditory, I could say, um, Let's see, if we're talking motivation, I could say, what sounds better to you? And then give them two examples. Being done in 30 days or dragging this thing out for six months, which which sounds better to you? Which sounds better, right? That's the word we're looking for, right? As as far as the other one, um, I don't know, maybe the other one I could say, what's more of a pressing issue for you? Where do you feel the most pressure? Is it pricing your home properly? Or is it the timing of when you go on the market? right? Feeling the pressure. That's more like, ah, I feel it. You could say that's more kinesthetic. So, and again, the words I just gave you guys aren't fucking out of this world. You guys got right. to come up with that on your own. You just have to start kind of brainstorming yourself and say, how can I, you know, kinesthetically, how can I add some of these words and phrases that are going to help, you know? Right. It's simple stuff, bro. It doesn't have to be revolutionary. Yeah. Cool. That's all. Thanks. Cool. All right, man. Uh, let's see. Darius, I'm just going to unmute you, bro, so you don't have to type. Do you
3: have a mic, Darius, or not? Can Loki hear me?
0: Yep, loud and clear, bro. Um,
3: this is this this is one of the limited beliefs I have that, I don't know, when I my medical bills come in, and I always get state insurance for them, and I've seen uh, bills come in for like $35,000 for like chemo and stuff, and, and I just did. throw it on state insurance. Um, I'm almost scared of making money because I'm not trying trying to pay that does that make sense because if you're they gave it to you for free versus if you make money you you um gotta pay for it
0: okay well i can tell you bro that no matter which way you make money someone's gonna take it uncle sam has his hand so far up my ass it's coming out through my mouth bro so someone's gonna take it right there's always gonna be something if it's not that you might get in a fucking car accident tomorrow and you owe 20 grand because it was your fault or you make 200 grand this next year and you gotta pay 50 grand in taxes. There's always gonna be the next hand, whatever that hand is, with its hand in your pocket taking your money. The only solution is keep making more. So if we get stuck around this, I wanna avoid this thing, if you successfully avoid that, the next thing that you need to quote avoid is gonna be right there. So there's no way of getting around that, bro. What you need to understand is in this life of making money, in this world of money, there's always some entity or thing that takes a piece of it. It's like, if we play chess, I can't be like, okay, you know, me and Ronnie, hey Ronnie, let's play, but let's both pretend that the king and the queen don't exist, and let's just play. Like, you can't do that, right? It's just a a piece of the board and a part of the game, and we have to accept that. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, or good or bad, I hate it too, but it's just one of those things you have to accept instead of resisting and fighting.
3: Does that make sense? Yeah next question how do you get a position of authority how do you make a position of authority when you're starting your prospecting thing uh door knocking this is i'm just starting to close the deal i haven't been to like five lectures yet
0: cool okay uh part of it is a part of it you're going to get from experience right so you're always going to have a little bit of level of nervousness or uncertainty right but in the beginning okay let's say um uh, you knock on 100 doors and you talk to 100 strangers right is it safe to say that out of the 100 people, when it comes to just knowledge of real estate and just basic understanding of the process, you know more than those 100 people that you're gonna to talk to. Yes. Okay. So you need to speak to them and come to them from that. That's your yeah. point of certainty, right? It's like the old uh, example. Uh, I forget where this came from, where it's like if you stand in front of an audience and even, even if you're talking about something you don't know, you have to be able to sit on some sort of point of confidence. So if you know you're wearing red underwear, your mind is like okay I'm 100% confident I'm wearing red underwear so it gives you some some foundation to stand on with confidence and that's where you're going to have to start right you can feed that obviously by you know studying your market a little bit every day maybe previewing some homes like I've always recommended people do mm-hmm. just to get a better feel for it but a lot of it is going to come from just getting smoother in the dialogues you're you're in the beginning stages where maybe you still don't have your script maybe memorized or stumble a little bit when you ask for the number, that's fine, Mm -hmm. that's gonna get better. But you need to know that you, compared to the average citizen, you destroy them with just basic real estate knowledge. So when you're talking to them about real estate, you are the authority, because you know more. So if I sit with, I don't know, the number one lawyer on the planet, right? I'm not gonna be intimidated by him if we talk real estate. I'd be like, motherfucker, this is my world. Now if we talk about laws and legality, shit. You're the man. But if we talk about real estate, I'm the man here. I don't care how shiny your suit is, how much money you have. This is my world. And you need to think about it that way. And when you, when you adopt that being this more dude, and it'll make more sense as time goes on, right? The more you knock, the more you listen to me, the more you learn, it's really going to cement in your brain and you're going to understand this. It'll click, but you need to be able to sit and say, I don't care if they're older than me. I don't care if they wear a suit. I don't care what they do when it comes to real estate. I know more than them. Yeah. You get what I'm saying?
3: I do. Yeah. Last question is, how do you look to tackle numbers when you, when you're just starting, you don't have anything to compare it to. Does that make sense? You You mean like setting
0: goals and, and setting commitments for your schedule and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would just say do, do what you feel is desirable and what you want to do. You know, like my goal, my first year was make $250,000. Now, at the time, it seemed fucking ridiculous, but I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's a big number, but I'm going to work my ass off. And somewhere inside, I feel like I can do that. And that just seems like the number that I need to go for. And I ended up in GCI. I made half of that my first 12 or 13 months. Mm-hmm. So at the time, again, 250, dude, back then, I was like, if I make four or five grand a month, I'm the fucking man. Like, that was my thought process. <laughs> I said, I'm going to be sitting at the table with 50 cent and Floyd Mayweather. Like, I can throw hundred dollar bills. Well, I only take like 10 because I don't want to spend all my money, but that was my mindset. So the number 250,000 seemed like, holy shit, but I still put it down and I went after it. But the number came from me. It didn't come from watching Greg Cardone or, you know, all the other guys who say, "Make go for a million or 2 million. I said, how much money do I want to make in a fucking year? And then 250 came up and I was like, fuck it, I'll do 250. So there is no right or wrong, Darius. It's what, what do you want to do? What is your system? What is your mind? What is your heart telling you when it comes to these numbers? Because it has to come from you. If you just take a number that I give you, then you're going to deal with what everybody else deals with. I'm not motivated. I don't want to do anything. I don't like this. But if it comes from you, then you're going to have a lot more fire behind it.
3: Thank you. Those are it.
0: Of
2: course, man. Uh, Jose, you had a question. You're unmuted, bro. Awesome, man. So my question would be now that, so I'm starting out something different with like some partners that I met up some wholesaling stuff okay and you know the, what's going on is that they're going to be paying for the marketing like a lot of marketing and mm-hmm. we're going to probably be setting appointments like every day it's going to be crazy okay. and I was thinking like you know I know cold calling works I still want to continue getting listings because the reason why I'm partnering up with them because is because even if that doesn't work out let's say that they don't want a wholesaler or they don't want to sell it to us as an investment, I can always list it for them. Yeah, You know, so I'm gonna be targeting like distressed owners and, 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 and those type of things. Now my question is, would you hire, like let's say I start going on appointments every fucking day and I don't get that much time. Would you hire a cold caller to cold call for you?
0: Yep, 100%.
2: And and so would you train them or like how, how would you find that person that, to hire? Depends
0: what you want to do, bro. I mean, you
2: can get people cheap, that are pretty decent from
0: the Philippines that speak English really well for super cheap. You could bring somebody in who maybe follows you on social media who loves you and wants to be the mini version of you, right? I'm sure you already have fanboys who follow you. like, oh bro, you're killing it. I mean, that's entirely up to you. So you need to look at what this wholesaling partnership looks like, right? If it's something where you're not gonna have a lot of time, then maybe a VA or somebody virtually from the Philippines is the way to go in the meantime, right? Just to get some extra calls in. But if you might have the time, shit, get somebody, bring them in and fucking train them, dude. And and set up a thing where it's like, Hey, I'm going to teach you everything, but I get 50, 50 off the top, blah, blah, blah. And you set something up. But a lot of that's going to be determined by what the future looks like with this, you know, this side thing that you're doing and this new wholesaling thing that you're doing, because that's going to determine what the steps are for this assistant. You know what I mean? So if it's really hands-on and you're going to be spending 70, 80% of your time with the wholesale thing, then shit, you might want to get something that's a little quicker and easier To make up for some of that time, you're not going to be calling. But if you're going to have time, then yeah, then hire somebody in person and train them yourself. That's always the best thing to do, man, because then you can make them a monster if it's the right person.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I had somebody in mind, but it's going to take me some time to train them. And we're going to be starting this thing sometime this week. So I don't know how busy I am. Like already, I'm already starting to send out buyers because I'm, I'm busy with the listings that I'm getting now. Yeah. So I don't even have a team yet. I don't have a buyer's agent and I'm already like referring buyers to everybody else. So yeah. I feel like I'm I'm just gonna have to hire somebody from like the Philippines to, to do it for me. You might,
0: you know, and then maybe in the meantime, while they do that, you're looking for a buyer's agent and somebody in person to train or you're getting an assistant, right? Obviously, if you're getting that busy, bro, maybe you do need a part-time admin that comes in two or three times a week and handles your administrative stuff, which you can do with somebody online too, and you pay them fucking six bucks an hour or some shit, and they're pretty good, right? So there's a lot of things you need to do, but
2: have you mapped out kind of what you want your team to look like, or no? Nah, dude, that's the thing. It's like I feel like it's all coming at me, and I haven't like yeah. sat down and, and mapped everything out with like my assistant and all that other stuff.
0: That's what you got to do, bro. Because again, you have plenty of systems and models you can follow, like millionaire real estate agent, because you're with KW and that kind of stuff. Um, I would get clear on that, because then your next step is going to be easier. Because if you don't know, then it's like you're just throwing mud on the wall to see what sticks, you know what I mean? Yeah, man.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that for sure. That's
0: the next step, bro. And it's gonna shoot you, right? Let's say that person that you get takes a long time to train, but if they get good, bro, and you put your time into them, they're gonna bring you a lot more business and profit and they're gonna give you time to work on other stuff. So you need to start thinking bigger. And hey, the time that I put in here later on, it's gonna pay me because that's how it is. Right. When I started my team, I had a small dip in production. And then after the systems got in place and everybody hit a rhythm, boom. We, we like doubled or tripled my business in like six months. But the first month or two, I was like, fuck, man. Like we're going backwards. What the fuck? But it's because I stepped away a little bit. I was training. Then once they got everything and they started really building up, then boom, we exploded. And then like two or three months later, we put like eight or nine deals under contract in that one month. And I was like, fuck, okay, cool. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. right? And now it's pretty smooth. You know, we always have four or five, six pending pretty regularly now hardly any dips. And then every once in a while, I'll have a month where we do like eight or nine. Right. And that's kind of the rhythm that we hit where before by myself, it was tough for me to get three or four constantly pending. I was like so much work and effort, but now it seems effortless,
2: but I'm doing the same production or more. You know what I mean? So how how do you shift your mind from in to to on the business? Like what's the best? Cause I'm so used to prospecting, you know, I'm, I'm so used to doing the work, everything. Like how do you, how do you create more time to, to, to work more on your business?
0: Yeah, what you do is when you map out what you want your team to look like, you can start designating times and days where you train and you start putting people in place. And that's how you slowly start shifting your schedule. So now maybe this next week, let's say you decide, okay, I'm going to bring on an admin and you normally prospect four hours a day. Well, now you're going to cut it back three days a week, maybe to three hours a day. And you're going to spend that last hour training your assistant. Right? If, if that's the way you want to break it down. So, you slowly, you're going to have chunks of your schedule that are uh, working in your business. And then you're going to have the, the other side, which is working on, which we can say is like building your different skill set of being a leader and training. Because you're, you're already doing good as an agent and a salesperson. But the next step for all you guys, and this isn't just uh, Jose, you have to develop the leadership skills and the training skills. Because that's where a lot of agents fail. They're great at selling, but they're fucking piss poor when it comes to training and leading right? They become a little bitch when they start leading instead of, you know, being strong, training, giving them everything, being supportive. Because a lot of it, because it's different, man. You got to train them. You got to fucking motivate them. You got to push them. You got to be the example. You got to be there. So, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's a different skill set. So you can slowly in your schedule, start adding little chunks where you train and bring these people on. And then you slowly start letting them go on their own Like if it's a cold caller or an agent, you start letting them slowly do their own thing and you're kind of just looking over their shoulder every once in a while to make sure they're okay, right? And then you have your designated once or twice a week where you train, you teach them something or whatever it is that you decide, that's up to you. But it's about slowly in your schedule, adding leadership and training and and, and taking some of that time away from prospecting and maybe going on appointments. So you just have to find where in your schedule you would want to do it and you slowly start shifting it.
2: Awesome, man. Super excited. Yeah, dude.
0: It's going to be dope. Yeah. Could be the youngest motherfucker, Keller Williams, with a good team, bro. That's sick. <laughs> yeah, man. Cool. Thanks. All right. Let's see. Mariana, I'm about to start reading Dianetics. Any tips on getting a good grasp on the knowledge in the book? Yes. Have a dictionary handy next to it because probably every third or fourth word, you're going to need to look it up. And uh, if you're stuck on any sentence, or paragraph or passage, make sure you understand it before you move on. Those are my tips. Said before you had a horrible relationship with your parents, but you eventually took responsibility to fix it. Now it's amazing. Okay, um, you have a great relationship with my parents, but there's quite a few things I don't like or disagree about their beliefs and opinions. Um, You're gonna have to look past that, Ronnie, because you can't change that, right? Our parents are 50, 60, 70, 80, however old they are, and they have their own upbringing right? As I've learned and developed, I realize, hey, this, we can say, if we're just going to use words, this hypnosis that I've broken out of that I was raised with, my parents are still stuck in that hypnosis. I can't be mad at them for that if they want to stay in that. I can have a relationship with them and be cool and spend time with them, even if they have some different beliefs about me and how I live or this and that, right? You're going to have to learn to um, I don't want to say ignore it, but just accept it because it's your parents. Now it's your choice if you want to have a great relationship with them or not, right? But if you do, you know, and this is just how it was for me, we have completely different beliefs and philosophies, but it's like my parents. So I'm just going to have a good relationship with them because I live better having a good relationship with them. And that's what's most important to me. If we have disagreements here and there, it's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? I think you may be like I was in the beginning where it's like, okay, I'm doing better. I have to change them. They have to believe everything that I believe. And it's like, you almost want to like remold them, but they're like clay that's dried out for 60 years. You know what I mean? And even if you put water on it, it's not, it's not becoming pliable anymore. It's like, fuck, it's already set in stone, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why also, Ronnie, I spend a lot of time with my parents, but also don't. Because if you keep you know, it's too much, then ah, you start, you know what I mean? So I spend time with them, you know, we talk regularly almost every day or every other day, but in person, you know, when we hang out, it's not, we're not hanging out for weeks at a time. You know what I mean? Because eventually it's gonna, it's gonna start coming out, right? Just the way they talk and the way they do things. It's just the way they are, dude. But I kind of use it as a test. It's like, okay, I've developed mentally. Let's see how strong I am. Am I gonna go back into this environment where I used to bitch and complain? Am I going to fall back into that or am I above that now? And have I matured and become stronger where I can be in the environment, even if it's unpleasant and still be cool and unaffected, you know? So set little, little bars for yourself. I mean, that's just, again, that's not out of a book. That's just my experience with it. And that's kind of how I've uh, developed the relationship through that. Right. Anything else guys, are we going to end it? Leveled up in that aspect. Yeah, that's awesome, bro. And, and that's cool. Because then now you have that marker, you have that uh, moment in time to demonstrate to you, hey, I've leveled up. So if anything, in those moments, I'm happy I was there or happy that I experienced it because it showed me, hey, you've leveled up from two to five. Cool. Had I not been here and put myself in the situation, I wouldn't have realized it, you know? Cool. Okay. Well, I'll put this recording in the vault um, for everybody. All right. I got the podcast in about an hour, so I'm going to sign off here. Again, if you guys have questions, post them in the group and I'll get to them. Make sure all of you listening to the recording are here. You get your shit squared away for August 10th. I have crazy speakers coming. I don't think you guys are ready for it. I have some amazing
1: fucking speakers coming.
0: Okay. So bring your little tinfoil thinking caps because they're going to be activated and uh, I'll see you guys then. All right.